love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. From the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. This wonderful text taken from the fifth chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians will occasionally appear at weddings. And I'm always deeply gladdened when it does because Ella and I obviously had it read read at our wedding. Um, That's a joke. It's good. You can laugh. Uh, In fact, fact, some of this is inscribed on the inside of her wedding band. It's a good sign when a couple chooses it. It means that they are not shocked by New Testament language that often strikes modern readers as woefully archaic at best, or at worst, downright sexist. They rather consider that the text speaks to the profound mystery of Christ and his church, Christ the head offering himself continually for the sanctification of the church's members so that she may be presented in glory and splendor. They understand that the love a husband ought to have for his wife, a love of self-sacrifice, self-donation, is indicative. Indeed, it is a living sacramental sign of the love that Jesus has for his body, the church, a body which he continually nourishes and cleanses with his own body. In recent decades, for instance, in the most commonly used Revised Common Lectionary, this text has been removed from the normal Sunday reading scheme as many preachers in the main line won't touch it with a 10-foot pole. That is, in a word, lamentable. It's lamentable because the living sacramental sign of the gospel, which most of us see every day without even realizing it, is husband and wife. Living in the bonds of holy matrimony, a bond which brings multiplication and great fruit. For God has ordained it that every child, every human person should have a mother and a father. And despite our immense advances in technology, we've not found a way around that one yet. It is an inescapable biological fact. But we Christians believe that the heart of that biological fact is a marker which points us to the transcendent truth of the gospel. This is the reason that we must contend for clarity within both the church and the surrounding culture regarding the marriage bond. In a simple way, as many have said, our bodies proclaim the gospel. In the Jewish world of Paul's day, women and men underwent ritual washings in what were called the mikvot, ritual baths constructed for the purpose of ritual washings. For women, these were undertaken, and they still are today, following childbirth or menstruation according to the law before they enter into marital relations with their husbands. Now, one can choose to see this as archaic, sexist even, but consider for a moment what this does, how this functions within the society. These baths are not an expression of individualism, but are essential operations within the life of the family. It is not to say if a woman is to conceive a child with her husband, it's nice if she could take a bath beforehand. No, it is considered to be essential. She has a sacred position within the family. 
and this is recognized regularly by ritual actions which tie her and the life of her family and children to the life of the covenant nation. She does not wash because she is dirty or inferior. She washes because she is a sacred life giver. Her body is not possessed by anyone, but she regularly consecrates her body to God, making a sacrifice of herself to the living God. These baths were also, and this is an important note for today, how converts to Judaism entered into the covenant community through baptism. When I was in Jerusalem, uh, we spent some time on the steps which lead up to the temple, and you can see the ruins of these baths, which is, by the way, where in Acts of the Apostles chapter 2, all of those initial 3,000 converts were baptized. For the ancient church to enter into the living body of Christ, a body of fruitfulness and multiplication, to mark one's place within the covenant family, to become part of the bride of Christ, baptism, indeed a new baptism, not with water as the primary element, but the washing of water with the word, a washing characterized by the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit is at play. Listen again, what, listen again to what Paul, Paul says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any other such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. That is to say that what we're seeing in this baptismal imagery is also a marital, nuptial imagery. Baptism, just like marriage, presents us with an image of Christ giving himself to his church, his earthly body to which he has joined himself in the nuptial bond, a bond of reciprocal love that is both taken and received, given and received again. John Paul II once said that these mysteries illuminate the mystery, which is Christ and his church, and in turn are illuminated by the mystery. Let me say it again. These mysteries illuminate the mystery and in turn are illuminated by the mystery. Just as husband and wife give themselves to each other willingly in reciprocal love, indeed showing forth Christ's love for his church, in a very real way, becoming who they are as they both consent to receiving and giving this love, the church becomes more who she is when she gives herself in love to her Lord, knowing that the same Lord gives himself to his bride. I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but sometimes as married couples get older, they start to look like each other. I mean, it can sometimes be rather creepy. But it shows forth something very important which is that they become each other. They become most who they are in loving each other, not just when it's good, but when it's difficult, through sickness and in health. The church is illumined, not just by loving Jesus and receiving his love, that certainly is part of it, but by the receiving of his very flesh into her flesh, the body of Christ being realized in the members of his body, the church, in the Eucharist. That is but one reason why, the, why that characterization of the fathers is exactly right. The Eucharist makes the church. It's just as Paul says it. It's just, it's just as Paul says it is. Even so, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Listen to this language. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes 
and cherishes it as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. This is both nuptial and baptismal and Eucharistic. So hear this. All who have been baptized have been presented to Jesus without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, holy and without blemish. So as you receive the Eucharist today, know that you are nourished and cherished as a beloved bride. So I must, on this Sunday, take issue with those who are horrified that this section of Ephesians would ever be read among Christians. It is rather descriptive of our charter, bringing, the light, bringing to light the love with which you and I are loved. And in turn, it is descriptive of the love which we ought to have for one another. If Christians are unmotivated or sluggish, if they are contentious or divided, unable to exist in charity with one another, there is no use in urging them to try harder, to try to do a bit better. I've often sat with married couples and perhaps sometime afterwards having a conversation in private, usually with a husband who wonders what just happened to him. I say something like this. It's usually almost exactly like this. It's my brother. You have got yourself a wonderful wife, a wonderful bride. She's positively exceptional. Do not hesitate to give yourself to her. Don't hold anything back. He doesn't need to hear that he should try harder. He needs to be reminded to give himself to his beloved. He doesn't need to have some methods. He doesn't need to have a schedule. He doesn't need to have a calendar, although those things can help. No, he's got to fall in love with his bride again. He needs to pick up habits of self-donation. He needs to give of himself, especially when he feels like he's got nothing left. He needs to be encouraged. In the same way, when Christians look to the church and say, now what have you done for me lately? Or what is the church doing for me? And they don't first ask, how might I give myself to Jesus in the context of this body? The mission of the church suffers. Churches don't fail to stay on mission because they're not passionate about mission. Churches fail to stay on mission when they have fallen away from Jesus, from his reciprocal love, fallen away from being illuminated by the divine love of the incarnate Son, a love which is, yes, given but it, and received, but it is also given back to him. And this is the scandal of those hard sayings in today's readings, not only in Ephesians, but also in the gospel reading as well, definitely in that passage from Joshua. Did you catch that? Where Joshua pleads with the people, really, you don't want to do this. <laughs> and they must have it. They must have a covenant with God. They must enter into a deep, abiding relationship with him. They must consecrate him, themselves to him. Some of the disciples we read, drew back and no longer went about with him. Yes, some will fall away. But after hearing of this, remember what happens with old Peter. What does he do? He says, where are we supposed to go? You have the words of eternal life. But Jesus has said this. This is what scandalizes some of the disciples. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. He who eats of this bread will live 
forever. Fine, Jesus. Tell us where to get bread that will last. Tell us how we can be healed. Tell us how we can be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Tell us how we can have a church with perfectly working air conditioning and perfect children's programming and an absolutely astoundingly good youth group. Those are all good things. Give us amenities. Give us the easy pill and we'll be on board. But tell us to eat you, and not in the manner of flesh, but in the manner of a spiritual partaking in your body. That's a bridge too far. And yet, back to Peter, what does he say? Jesus asks him if he too will leave, and he says, Lord, to whom? To whom? Not to what? Not to what church, not to what synagogue. To whom shall we go? Peter does not answer the question by asking, to what shall we go? To what other group of disciples should we go? No, he asks, to whom shall we go? Peter has captured the essence of Christian discipleship probably without even realizing it. That of going to Jesus, of meeting him, of following him, of sitting at his table, feasting upon his flesh. The disciples have come to know that Jesus is the Holy One of God with the words of eternal life, words which sustain because they themselves are eternal. They have found their lives to be illumined by His divine life, and in turn, they illumine for others the light of the gospel. And there is nothing in this life more beautiful than that encounter with Christ. Nothing. I really wish you could see what it's like to see you all receive communion on a Sunday. It's gorgeous. Sometimes I can't even contain myself because it's so beautiful. Because Jesus is giving himself to us. We come up to the altar and we bring nothing but ourselves. And the Lord gives us everything because he gives us himself. And that is the source of the church's mission, the body of the beloved calling out to the world, proclaiming the gift of the body of Jesus in his birth, death, and resurrection, and not stopping there, but proclaiming that in this sacrament we become recipients of his self-giving love, recipients of this marital, nuptial love. And this builds up the church as a fellowship, a common partaking of the body of Christ, the church becoming not what she eats, but whom she eats. In this sacrament, you and I become witnesses, those who have encountered Christ, those who have been given a new center of gravity for our lives and given a new message of God's love. It is no mistake that in the ancient accounts of Christian martyrdom, the martyrs are depicted as becoming, in a very real way, the Eucharist. I don't know if you've heard these, but you know, when, when Polycarp was martyred, he started to smell like bread. I mean, some were ground like wheat in the teeth of lions, and that language was not lost. They were being made a sacred offering before God. They become bread which is sacrificed to the Lord and given back to the world 
as a witness. This is the problem, friends, with coming to the Eucharist asking only what you'll get out of it. The answer, as long as that is the case, is very little. For this reason, we should never approach these sacred mysteries with presumption, with pride, with arrogance, with our egos, but in humility and charity towards our beloved brothers and sisters. It is for this reason that we should never let ourselves become discouraged. For who can be discouraged in the sight of so great a mystery, but must instead become an encouragement to the body? What we come to this celebration, when we come to this celebration with joy in our hearts, with the happy encouragement of knowing ourselves to be objects of divine love, when we truly love Jesus in the Eucharist, when we, your priests, celebrate with awe and reverence, we become a people fueled for mission by the Eucharistic encounter with Christ, a martyr people who have sacrificed themselves on the altar to be filled with the presence of the divine Son and who become powerful witnesses to the saving power of Jesus, a people presented to the Lord in splendor, who can in turn present other, others to the Lord in splendor. May he always be worshiped, may he always be adored, and may he always be loved. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.